0: Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Y'all, I just got to tell you, we have been overwhelmed and excited at the reception to our first episodes. Just want to say thanks to all who have listened, who have shared who have commented, and who have sent us feedback. Um, And we're hoping that we'll get more of that. We want to hear what topics and voices you want included in this conversation. And so I'll be putting my email address in the show notes, uh, but it's Derek.Laruth at gmail.com. And again, we'd love to hear from you. Now, just so you know, we've got some parameters that we are kind of confining ourselves to, mostly due to capacity, Uh, We have a small team here and limited resources, and we want to be faithful with this conversation. So two ways that we're sort of like focusing this conversation. One, we are focused on general conference. I know that the United Methodist Church is so much more than general conference, but we are focused and, and really paying attention to the aspects of our church that really center around what happens on the floor, what happens in the bar of general conference, The other parameter is that we are at the moment focused on the U.S. context. And I hate that. I mean, the United Methodist Church, it it is a global church with a global mission and serving in global context. But also again, small team, limited resources, and we wanna be faithful with representing people well. And so um, right now we are focused on the U.S. context as it relates to General Conference but we are talking to people and groups about how we might expand this conversation to include more voices. So just be praying for us as we, um, you know, in the meantime, try to be faithful with this little bitty piece of the conversation, but also seek God uh, as to how we might expand it. Okay. So email me. Would love to hear from you. And now on to today's episode got the really great opportunity to spend some time with Tara Barnes. Tara is a lifelong United Methodist, a wife, a mother, and she has been a part of what is formerly known as uh, United Methodist Women, but now United Women in Faith for 12 years. She started as the editor of their magazine and is now the director of denominational relations. She is a laywoman in the Upper New York Annual Conference, and y'all, she is an incredibly passionate human being. I love the way that Tara is able to sort of take these global ideas and speak really clearly about them, but then bring them down to a local context. It's her scope of vision that I appreciate. And I think you're going to really love this conversation as we talk about The Holy Movement of Women that is, was United Methodist Women, but actually many different names you'll hear about that, and it's now United Women in Faith. So friends, grab a notebook, grab a choice beverage, and uh, yeah, let's uh, be inspired by Tara Barnes from United Women in Faith. You're going to love this. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm good, Derek, how are you? I'm doing well, doing super well. Grateful that you're willing to join us on the podcast today. Um, I I don't know if we've actually met in person. I think we've always been in a Zoom room, um, but- I'm sure th- we've
1: been in each other's proximity, but I don't think we've ever met officially in person.
0: Yeah, so that's gonna be fun whenever we're in the same room together. That's, that's gonna be awesome. Uh, but I, I I met you in relation to United Women of Faith, formerly mm-hmm. known as United Methodist Women. And I guess in my mind, you are like the example to me of United Women of Faith. In particular, we'll talk about history a little bit and, and uh, the branding change and things like that. But um, for me, there and I'll just speak personally, You, I feel like you embody where that ministry, that organization is going. Um, just in the way that you've participated in several meetings that we've been a part of and different projects. So I just want to thank you for that, because um, I think that that's going to be important as we go on, uh, particularly for the ministry that you're a part of. So can you just give us a little bit of history? Most people probably remember or know the name United Methodist Women, uh, mm-hmm. and and that the, the organization now is a new name. So can you just kind of Give us a quick snapshot of the history, and then kind of take us to to this transition that you are a part of. And and we're we're here, we're listening. So
1: okay, I'll do my best to make it quick. It's a it's a long storied proud history, and I do want to say thank you for what your kind words being the embodiment of united women in faith for anyone is a really really great thing to be in the world. So
0: I mean so, it. Thank so. you. I mean
1: it. <laughs> I'm really glad to be a part of the organization and the work they do. So we'll start at the beginning. 1869 is when six women went to Tremont Methodist Episcopal Church in Boston, Massachusetts. They were locked out too. It was raining and they were locked out for some reason. They weren't, they didn't want the women going into the church and having this meeting. What was the catalyst for this gathering was two of those women were missionary wives who had been in India with their husbands because right um, women weren't missionaries until after this meeting they saw that women in India were not receiving the same health care weren't receiving the same benefits that the men were from the Methodists who were over there because of right they were women (laughs) They could not be treated by male doctors. So what are you gonna do when there's no women doctors? So those the women came back and said, we're gonna change this. We're gonna make sure that the women receive healthcare and the women receive education um, in India. And that, that first meeting of six women uh, turned into <laughs> what is now United Women in Faith with hundreds of thousands of members across the country. And we have partners around the world. We started as the Women's Foreign Missionary Society of the Methodist Episcopal Church. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but they what they did was in addition to giving money to their church, which is still the same today, they started collecting additional funds that they knew would be for women and also, you know, monitored and 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 controlled for lack of a better word by women. So the women would be the ones making decisions about what happens to the money raised by women that should be in mission for women. And that's something too that we as an organization have worked really hard for more than 150 years to make sure that the money we raise make it goes to women, children and youth. And throughout the years we've, um, today we have inherited the women's mission organizations of, I counted earlier today, about 10 denominations, right? So. The United Methodist Church today is the culmination of every denomination that was the Evangelical United Brethren Church, and every denomination that became the Methodist Church. They all came together, and when that merger happened, and um, so did the, the accumulation of all of the women's organizations that were part of of those denominations, and all of them, all of them had some form of women's. Of women's organizing, uh, once you know the late 1800s came, women saw the power they had, even though it wasn't the power they should have had. They still figured out how to make an impact in the church and the world. So Tara, we started.
0: Can I, can I just can I just say, and I won't do this at every, every you know every mile marker, but <laughs> am I just, talking too much? No, you're great, and like I, <laughs> and I, that's why I'm like I should not stop you, but I just I. I One of the things that I continue to be both aware but um, educated on is the historical diversity that is the United Methodist Church. We are not mm-hmm. one thing, we've never been one thing. And I, I, I think that we lack an appreciation for it. And that I also believe is part of the reason why we are where we are right now mm-hmm. uh, in this great reorganization that we're in some of it I think is reckoning with the fact that we've tried to act like we are one thing. When we, 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 are, a ch- we are a church of churches mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out how to be one denomination, that is, that is the combination, the, the uh, accumulation, <laughs> Uh, I know I use uh, like, that word, but yeah, right. <laughs> that's today's it, word. <laughs> it, it is. It is this mm-hmm. bringing together of multiple Wesleyan streams. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but many of them. And so I just, e- that. I just, I, I'm a. i am aii am. It was just a point for me that mm-hmm. even the idea of United Methodist Women, United Women in Faith, is not this one thing, but it okay. is this 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 organization that is has inherited the stories. Mm-hmm. Of many groups of people,
1: the work, and, the theologies, yeah. the the arguments, the joys—we've that's that's part of who we are. Is yeah, yeah, all of those different. We it, we can be really proud of being the first group to send women missionaries. I also reckon with the fact that that was a group of of wealthy wealthy for the time white women who could do that. And right, mm-hmm. we were a part of that theology that was sending forth white folks from the U S to, you know, the, the work was good. The goals were good, but right. So we even learn to grow and change. And part of knowing how to do that is because we have so many different voices that are now part of who we are to be like, okay, maybe that wasn't the best way to be Christ in the world, but let's keep working on this. What does it mean to be in mission? What is the, you know, theology of mutuality? And so we, that's, that's part of who we are is growing and changing. We aren't a missionary organization anymore. Um, our magazine doesn't focus on, you know, being the holy matron of your home and church, right? The way that Mm. even women reviewed at the time of how you, how you be a good Christian woman has, has changed over time. Yeah. And right. So has the name of our denominations and definitely the name of, of, our organization. That's that's part of our history. And it's easy for us to look back and say, oh, we did that. And we hired Pauli Murray to write this book on states laws and segregation. And we were an anti-lynching group and we and and celebrate all these great accomplishments. But we also have to acknowledge that not every woman who was a part of the organization then was on board for that. It's mm. kind of the same place mm. we are right now in the United Methodist Church. Is we have differences of opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: what we're failing to do is have the arguments in a way that can then come to a conclusion and then a path forward. So we've we've never been an organization or a church that hasn't had dissent or disagreement. Um, we we've figured out how to continue to move, you know, down that path of justice, to follow God's call. And and may, maybe this is what it felt like to, you know, our ancestors, our foremothers, when they mm-hmm. were in the heat of it. But I think the most frustrating thing for me now is that like, we just haven't figured out how to have the fights the right way or build yeah. the trust that we need to build. And
0: yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. moving
1: us to a completely different topic. But when I think yeah. of the women who have put, who have been able to keep this organization going, for this long and changing lives still, because they grow and change and adapt and you know meet the needs that are that are there today, and have the foresight enough to know that like we can't just keep doing the same thing. We can have mm. the same goals, right? We want to uplift women, we want to uplift the marginalized, train leaders, grow spiritually, but the methods have to change over time. And we're gonna fight about those methods. And I think what we're failing at this point in time. In the United Methodist Church, United Women of Faith, we're we're kind of still moving forward, right? We don't all agree, mm-hmm. but we can talk about that later because uh, I know that's yeah. on the agenda. Yeah, no, but. And, I,
0: and I'll just say that this is exactly why I wanted to have, um, you know, we're still in beta mode in this podcast mm-hmm. project. And so I wanted <laughs> one of our initial conversations to be with you because, yes, it's called Bar of the Conference. Yes, it, it's mm-hmm. it's got its eyes on general conference what happens on the floor there in the bar. And there are very specific leaders in the bar who have been there um faithfully but don't mm-hmm. always get to the mic quickly. Yeah. And some of those mm-hmm. are our united women in faith. <laughs> some yeah. of those people. So that's why so everything you're saying is right in and out. And again, this was me interrupting and so I'm gonna Step back out. Let you continue the history, uh, and um, but I, the, everything you're saying is right in line with what we're trying to do in this conversation. So
1: you are the host. Please guide me. I worked as an editor for many, many, many years, so I know what it's like to have like, okay, that was great, but let's go, let's go back it's this good, way. So it's
0: good. But I welcome so, it. <laughs> so we are. You know, we inherited. The women's ministries, the women's organizations, even women's missionary ministries of multiple mm-hmm. denominations, and that you know becomes a lot of who United Methodist women became mm-hmm. the, the, what we inherited. So, from there,
1: like we have members who were part of um, the Wesleyan. Um, I'm gonna, I've got my paper here to make sure I get the names right. We've had more than twenty names throughout the years. It was. When we first came together as the United Methodist Church, the women's organizations were the Women's Society of Christian Service and the Wesleyan Service Guild. So those were the women's groups, the, the women's organizations of the church at that time. And then in 1972 is when the name United Methodist Women was decided as, this, as the merging of those two groups. So we still have members, who've already been through a name change, who've already been through a denominational merger. It's part of who we are in this church. And this is not a split. I, that's been one of my biggest talking points lately is this is 2000 churches so far who have exited. We have not split. Um, it is not a mass exodus. It is folks who feel the need to go, who now have a pathway to do so. and united women in faith had been having this conversation about i mean rebranding was something you just want to do to make sure that you know you're appealing to the right people and nurturing the current folks who are part of your organization and i mean we had general conference 2016 and then 2019 approached right and no one really knew what the future of the united methodist church was going to be or if there would be a united methodist church so we didn't set out to change our name we just wanted to make sure that like we, who we were, who we needed to be in the time that we're in. And as you know, things started happening in the church, we kind of took a leap of faith and and started thinking about, well, maybe, maybe we, maybe we change our name. Maybe we start some new programs and just new ways of being together for, for ourselves, but also as a way to sort of, you know, once again, lead the church by example, that wasn't like our main purpose, but let's show the church what to do. It, it was just listening, discerning, talking to many, many, many different women, mostly our current members, um, talking to women who are in the Methodist church who aren't yet members of United Women in Faith. And um, we also made sure to talk to women who are Christian, active Christians and see what they would be looking for in a women's organization. So we've been having those conversations for years Um, and 2019 was sort of a tipping point toward, toward a conversation about maybe a new name. Um, and then it ended up being the right thing, the right thing to do. We, we can talk about the timing of it if you want to get into some Methodist.
0: And and I'll just say that it was a beautiful day in, (laughs) was it March?
1: March 3rd,
0: I think. Yes. 2022. And, And many of us were sitting... Uh, waiting on a specific article to drop from UM News or from Resource Mm -hmm. UMC or from the General Commission on General Conference. And then there was this announcement (laughs) that did drop on the Twitters about a name change. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's a great announcement. We were first.
1: (laughs) Of course, like this was years in the making and we had planned... You know, we're United Women of Faith. We had planned ahead of time. Our website was going to launch. We had a Facebook Live event. March is the anniversary of our founding. It's also Women's History Month. Like that, the timing for us was great. It makes it right. (laughs) We're like, oh, they're going to, what was that announcement? The postponement, right, of General Conference. Yes. And then not only that, (laughs) our our, uh, friends, who would rather not United Women of Faith exist in any form mm-hmm. um, decided to also announce the launch uh, and the launch of their new conservative yeah. traditionalist denomination. Same day.
0: That was such a crazy day. <sighs> mm-hmm. um, I, so I'm curious, Tara, how mm-hmm. how has the name change been received? Mm-hmm that's uh that's a very good question
1: and i think part of the timing um led to some talking points we might not have had to really (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know confront otherwise but fair enough um Mm -hmm. so on the same day that a new denomination announces its formation Mm -hmm. we take methodist (laughs) out of our name so that becomes the big what that was i think the initial reaction was Mm -hmm. what does this mean what does this mean um and, and rightly so, it it was it, it was unfortunate that you know, it seemed almost coordinated, but let me let me say that it was definitely not. It was not mm, coordinated mm. effort. and we have no plans to cater to that new denomination whatsoever. Um, the name change had nothing to do with um, appealing to folks who frankly don't like us, right? they've they've worked hard since since our existence to to either change or eliminate us so honestly we don't owe them anything but we do owe the women in those spaces everything we want them to know that they are still a part of us and they can still be a part of us if you found yourself in a church that has disaffiliated um or if you you know if you're not even in the united methodist church you could, you, you've never had to be United Methodist to be a member of United Methodist Women. Um, certain leadership positions require you to be United Methodist. Conference presidents vote at annual conference. You know s- Some of those spaces where you know local presidents will be on um, church committees, then you do have to be a member of the United Methodist Church. But to be in other leadership positions, to join in the work, to use our resources, you don't have to be and we have beloved members who are in those churches right and who still want to be a part of us and if you know if changing the name is is that's a really easy and really apparent way for women to know come be a part of us let's eliminate the barriers why why still have that and and frankly the name methodist for a while there wasn't wasn't really the best selling point. <laughs> mm. We were uh, making headlines for things we didn't really want to be making headlines for and, and who knew what the future of the United Methodist church was. So this was us letting the world know that we're here and we will be part of the church because we know that God is still at work in the United Methodist church in whatever form it's going to be. We're, we're just going to make that decision for ourselves now. Um, it was, to make sure that we didn't find ourselves um, having those decisions made for us. Right. Because part of part of when the names have changed or the women's organization has been moved under a mission board um, or its purpose changed, it wasn't really the women's decision for that Mm. to happen. It's the it was it's been the general conference Um, as recently as 2012 we were part of global ministries. We were a women's division of another agency. And so something we're really proud of in our recent history is that we managed to become an independent organization again. But from 1968 until 2012, we were a part of global ministries. We were a division within the church. We were not our own organization. So that's right. General conference is an important thing for us to pay attention to as an organization, and if we if we do the work to make the changes ourselves, then we've already done that, right? And mm. um, I mean, we're still we're still in the book of discipline, so you know, general conference still um, gets gets a say <laughs> in who we are and what we do, but we've done a really great job of uh, protecting ourselves from some of those, you know, previous decisions but also of like just being doing our best to look at our future and who we want to be and who our members need us to be. And and that's where United Women in Faith came in. And I'll admit that taking Methodist out of our name was, was, was a little scary for me. I am United Methodist. (laughs) My job title now is denominational relations. And in March, 2022, right. We were still having those like big conversations. I mean, we're still having them. We're do- mm-hmm. doing it right now. Yeah. Um, about what is the future of the United Methodist Church and to see one of its great organizations take Methodists out of the name. I could see why some folks were like, okay, what does this mean? But no, we mm-hmm. are very much the women's organization of the United Methodist Church and in fact, the only time in our very long history. That our organization had the denomination's name in the title was the past fifty years was United mm. Methodist Women. It's never had the denomination's name in in the entire history except for that small that small piece, right? Women's Foreign Missionary Society, Wesleyan Service Guild, Otterbein Circles. Um, we've been yeah the Society of Christian Service. So it's it's actually not. Uh, a strange thing that we're an organization that doesn't have the denominations name in the title but right it's not everyone knows this history and i i I think that helped soothe some worries us letting folks know like no no we're very much part of the united methodist church and part of why we're doing this is because we believe in its future and that we want to be a part of it Hmm. and that actually this is this is kind of how our foremothers operated, and they did—they did some great work. So this is actually honoring our past while looking to our future. So the name—the name change is just a way to be better who we are, better represent ourselves. It's not to try to be something different. It's to try to better show who we are right now, and—and and who we want to be. We want to be more diverse. We want to be more welcoming. We want to invite more people into the work of the church. Period. Um, mm-hmm. But remain a place where women can trust that our theology is going to uplift them, right. That they're going Mm -hmm. to be seen as whole, whole Mm -hmm. people. Um, that's not a guarantee in a lot of women's organizations, especially Christian
0: women's organizations.
1: So that's, Um, that's one thing we can guarantee is that right. Since we're the official organization, women's organization of the United Methodist church, the causes we believe in the resources we publish, the worship services at the events we have, they're going to be safe for women. They're going to be following Methodist theology. So that I think that's really important for, for women to know that like that we're still a reliable source. No matter where you find yourself at the end of the day through disaffiliation, that will still be here for you. <laughs> that you great. can still. yep. Yeah. And you, you can definitely still be a part of United Women in Faith. Don't let anyone tell you now that you've left the United Methodist Church that that you can't be a part of us. Um, we uh, we definitely have made changes to our bylaws and our programming to make sure that other that that women who've left or women who are you know curious about joining the church at all that that they'll appeal to them while mm-hmm. also nurturing our current members right? Yeah. They're, they're these amazing women that do so many different things for the church leadership, their own form of nurturing, taking care of one another and making sure that they also get a better experience out of being part of our organization. Cause it's not just about serving others. We have grants and scholarships and we, we have lots of advocacy campaigns. Like there's there's definitely an outward focus, right? That's how we live our faith. There's a social holiness that guy John Leslie talked about sometimes. But part of our organization is to take care of one another in a in a sisterhood too. It's a there's also a chance to grow closer to God by being part of, by being part of us. And I think that's something that gets missed as well about our organization is that you learn about yourself, you get leadership training right from the women, right from the beginning, never had a chance to to really um, learn about how to you know use money because they weren't allowed to work. They weren't, use money isn't the right way to say that, but like, so there were women who were treasurers of their local unit of the Women's Foreign Missionary Society, right, mm-hmm. had this opportunity to, to ha- have that kind of skills training that she c- couldn't find anywhere else because, yeah. There wasn't, you know, a place for women in the workplace or home finances were, weren't really something that, you know, women got to do because they weren't earning the money and they had, they had more holy tasks to attend to. But Hmm. our foremothers really saw this as a place to make the world better, but also a, a chance for them to learn new skills and, and grow to be better Christian women, to make their own lives better, but also that only continues to help make the community better as well. We pick on the women maybe for having their Tuesday morning sewing circles. Mm -hmm. Man, they're making you some really great prayer shawls and they're also talking to each other. It's a small Mm. group. They're checking in on each other's lives. They're talking about the work they wanna do together. They're laughing, they're, they're caring and they're women together in a room. So it's kind of creating a safe space for them too. So I don't want to hear anybody picking on the Tuesday morning sewing circles.
0: <laughs> well, and so let's go there. You know, we're possibly gonna talk about this later, but I talk. talk. talk it's it, it, I I wonder some of us, and I know for me, I'll speak for me. Um, I encountered some very specific local United Methodist women chapters and some local congregations in, in my mm-hmm. area. How, connect me, connect the the, the large, the, the overseeing organization to the work that happens on the ground mm-hmm. in these local chapters and and and, and h- how those are connected if they are?
1: It's, right, we are structured as an organization very similarly to the United Methodist Church, right? Because we're an official organization of it. Um, and connectionalism is really important to us, but, right? We have our global denomination who makes decisions at at general conference about what we believe in and the work we wanna do. And then we have local churches who are what they need to be for their communities. And United Women of Faith is very similar. Um, They they know their their members, they know their church and they know their community. So for some, right, funeral dinners is a way to take care of, of the people in their community. But at the same time, while they're making sure a grieving family like doesn't have to worry about food, right? That's just something that's taken care of for them. They're also the I mean, the money they contribute goes to the work we want to do together. But right, we're all studying the same mission studies that the organization publishes. We have um, what we call a program book that kind of gives you some guidelines and focuses and, and you know, Bible verses and activities that when you come together each month, here's some things we can all do together. So while we are um, raising money for local groups and advocating for different causes in our local church, there's things we're all trying to do together. And so the national office, we do our best to resource um, women for what they need for that work that we're all trying to do together, right? We don't, there's no way that we have enough capacity to give everyone everything they need, but we, we have a board of directors that is elected by members so we're different from some of the other boards and agencies general conferences elect um, our, our jurisdictional conferences don't we host our own <laughs> jurisdictional conferences. So our members choose their representation and and through and then we have a larger program advisory group to make sure that right. They're my bosses. The, my board is my bosses they're the members are the ones who tell us what the work we should be doing. And so we set out to try to make sure that, that that work we want to do together as hundreds of thousands of women across the country, we have the resourcing for that. While also, you know, giving local units the freedom, right? We're not trying to be prescriptive in any way um, to to do what they need to do. And there's there's. Also local ways we can connect the larger issues we're working on. We want to end the school to prison pipeline. That's that's the racial justice advocacy work that we're focused on as an organization right now. And sometimes that manifests itself as a local church um, going to their school board meeting to make sure right, that um, maybe we don't need to hire another school resource officer. Maybe these policies need to change. So there's ways for us to learn about the issues um, you know, read different stories, hear from different voices, and then find our ways in our community to to work on that climate justice. That you know, right? That can run the gamut. We're 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 all together working for um sustainable a more sustainable like energy use, but with a just transition. That so these communities that are based you know and jobs that are based on fossil fuel you know consumption and that that our transition isn't one that just abandons one for the other, but that we all move to a more renewable and sustainable energy pattern together. And sometimes the local unit, what that means is you're making sure your church doesn't use styrofoam anymore, right? Or that you are getting solar panels on your church or so there's different ways and right. You can join local advocacy groups to make sure you can protest a pipeline that might be coming through. Um, holding educational forums is a thing that a lot of our local women do in their churches inviting the community into some of the things we're learning together so that way we can all be good community partners and it's not always easy to to connect you know from national to local but it's worth it's worth a try <laughs> and what part of our new initiatives that were that we're trying is Right. So you're a new member, possibly you're interested in the work of United Women in Faith, but maybe the local unit, you know, does meet on that Tuesday morning and their ministry is prayer shawls. Mm-hmm. So if that's not something you're interested in, we st- still want other avenues available to women for participation, um, whether that's connecting you with a different you know, church or at a district level. But we've started what we've called an all access membership that lets you like, you know, ease your way in sort of with our online programming at some of the national level work. And then write our podcasts, our webinars. Here's our resources, here's our reading program. This is what we're, you know, we're reading together. That you can, you can become part of the work. And then if you want to, you know, get down locally, you can, you know, we'll connect you, we'll connect you with the local church, or you can you can be a member at the conference level. And we've never really done that before. Um, so I'm pretty excited to have this option for for folks that right, try to not only connect you with the work you wanna do but like the community you wanna be a part of too. Cause right, we'll have some women who don't really wanna go out and march in the Black Lives Matter protest but are looking for like a, a group of women to to do like some letter writing together, right? Or mm-hmm, send cards mm-hmm. to to folks who are Unable to make it to church, um, so we're we're trying to be a connector without having barriers to participation yeah. in what we're trying to do. And I see, like, the North Carolina conference um, mm-hmm. has—I think they're calling it a collective—right now, where some folks who want to remain United Methodist but their church disaffiliated, they're they're kind of creating this like way to be a member that's not tied to a local church. Um, hmm. And I haven't. I've been meaning to ask them, like, how's that? How's that working? How many people do you have a part of this? Because it's it's similar to to what we're trying to make sure is available for women who want to be part of United Women in Faith. Is like, here's here's a way of participating. That's just a little different than how it's how it used to be, but you can still be part of the work, right? Because we don't want to lose anyone in that like ether in that yeah, space. Yeah. Of, well, I I don't I don't have a local unit so I can't really be part of it. Or folks whose church disaffiliated, but they wanna be United Methodist, they might not be ready to hop over to the next nearest United Methodist mm-hmm. church. And maybe there's mm-hmm. a reason they weren't part of that faith community, but they still wanna be United Methodist. Um, so that, that could, maybe we were modeling an idea
0: for the we're, church
1: or we were just on the same wavelength. To and those are with, containers
0: but, that we're gonna need Oh uh, yeah, as we travel through the rest of this year. This is all Mm -hmm. so fascinating and and I'm learning so much. Um, I have a lot to
1: say.
0: I love it. I love it. My
1: favorite thing to talk about. So
0: lucky you. (laughs) Well, let's take a quick break. Awesome.
1: That's a good idea.
0: Tara, I'd love to hear a little more about UWF's global impact and how you know this large company of women has tried to affect change positive gospel oriented change across the planet
1: that is a good question so i said earlier about how our first the first big act that we did as an organization when we were founded in 1869 was to send a teacher and a woman teacher and a woman doctor to India. Um, both their sc- the school and the hospital still are still there, the ones that we founded, the women went over in 1870, so they had some longevity in the work they were doing. Um, but we are, a, we are a national organization. United Women in Faith is a US-based organization, intentionally. Um, when we became an independent organization um, out from under global ministries we we declared and it's in the book of discipline that we want to be that we're a u.s organization but we we partner with women across the connection and, and across the globe we have partners in right latin america and different parts of the world that aren't necessarily tied to the united methodist church um, but that is part of how we connect with with one another so we're a U.S. organization, and we we do support um, missionaries, but they' we call them regional missionaries. And this is part of our learning over a uh, over a, a century is, right? The white the 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 white the right folks might not be the white folks to go to to be the the women who are trying to uplift communities in um, different parts of the world. We have uh, regional missionaries in Africa, in Asia, um, and in Latin America, and we, um, like Philippines and and Japan, who those, that's that's their countries. And so we see them as a way to connect, right? Women women in the U.S. and around the world give money to, To uplift communities in a way that the women get to decide for themselves um, the work that needs to be done. Sort of like what I was talking about with the local units, right? They they know the their mission fields. They know what needs to happen to make lives better in their community. And women around the world know best what needs to happen to make lives better in their community. So we try to be partners in that work, and our regional missionaries help connect us through that and. Um, I mean, just some of our longtime partnerships, we still like the Harris Memorial College is a deaconess training school that's that we've been partners with for hundreds of years not hundreds, but over 100 years. And so we instead of going to and and deciding what work needs to be done, we're trying to be good listeners um, and partner in the work that to help uplift women around the world, especially our fellow United Methodists. And as we approach General Conference and some regionalization plans are um, on the table, it's kind of a no-brainer that our organization supports regionalization because that's, for us, has seemed the the best path forward to have right relationships um, with women uh, around the globe instead of a colonialist attitude. um, One that's that is more of a mutuality and mission, a, a partnership. So we we would love for uh, the U.S. to become a regional conference. We would love for a structure that helps empower our sisters around the world. In the way we've been trying to do as an organization itself, um, if the church s- starts to follow that path, that'd be great, right? It's it's a lot of learning. Um, to to ent- extricate yourself from this system that's been going on forever, yeah. really, from the beginning of our church, um, Methodists in the United States. But it's it's been, and as the editor of the magazine, part of my job was to tell some of these stories. So I, I kind of got an insider view for some of, of, of how we partner and right, a lot of it is funding. That's a that's a great way to be in mission to put feet to your prayers is to say, like, all right, here we're gonna give you money for this program that you're starting for the the pig farm that you're raising that you're what you need to be doing. We we had some uh, cosmetology graduates who now they have their own businesses, right, and. Chances are, had we not been in conversation and relationship with with different women in different places, that's not something that would have occurred, you know, to us. Like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, here, let's partner on that. So I'm proud of our organization for the steps we've taken to be listeners. And we try to provide forums as well for for leadership training and um, just for women to be together in the approach to... What would have been General Conference 2020? We, because we have the means and the resources to bring women together, we had a couple. We called them consultations, but it was really to to hear from the women. Like, all right, here we are as this U.S. organization. Let's let's have a chat in. Uh, I th- I think we were in Mozambique, and then we were in the Philippines, and just just being able to provide a space for women to come together. Like that, that feels like being a good partner too—not dictating what's happening there, but just because we have the means and we have the ability to, um, to, to have the literal space sometimes, or we have the connections to, to, to know what's happening in the church, and then we can, you know, share what's going on and what what the church needs to hear from women around the world. Every general conference we host with um, the Commission on the Status and Role of Women, we call it an orientation. And the the main audience is central conference women. I mean, this is on site. It's right before general conference to just right, give give the women the space to be together. And we talk about you know legislation. We talk about um, you know kind of just how general conference works because we've had they've always been in the United States so far. So it makes sense that the U.S. women host those gatherings to let you know women know. Well, here's how this works. And here's where you could find food. And that's when those prayer shawls come really in handy because it's always cold in those venues and we have like sisters coming from really warm countries <laughs> who then have to shiver in the AC. Yeah. So right, those are our local members who make those prayer shawls, but are helping women in these important decision-making spaces. Um, just come together, and and if nothing else, if we can keep providing space for women to come together, like good things happen when women have a microphone and a community. So that's, I mean, that's just one way that we're at at general conference. But we're trying to, as we look ahead, right? We've changed our name. We're tr- we're trying out some new programs. We're trying to make our, you know, our old things that were working for folks even better and, and more accessible. Um, that. How how as we envision uh, a a church that could be a regionalized structure? How how do we make sure that we maintain those connections with um, our sisters around the world? Because our church is only better the more connected we are. It's part of who we are as Methodists, and that we definitely want to make sure that the women continue to inform each other and you know not only grow together spiritually but just be better at making disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world, right? And if yeah. we're not talking to each other, we're not doing as good as we could. So we've, we've got it on our to-do list to make sure that we um, have some more of those those forums, those spaces, whether they're virtual or if they're in-person, you know, a mix of both that, that we are gonna be very intentional about bringing women together.
0: I love that, wow. Mm-hmm. But let me, and you, you started us down this road and so let's just go into it. Your interactions with General Conference, you know, it's not the only space in our system, in our polity, but it is an important space as you've already named. There's some Mm -hmm. important decisions that get made at General Conference that impact all the way down to probably Mm -hmm. local, local chapters of United Women in Faith. So, how does United Women in Faith see themselves interacting with the General Conference? And so, I've already heard you say uh, gathering the women. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there? Is there? And feel free to say more about that if you want. But in what other ways do you all make your presence felt um, mm-hmm. in the? And not all. Not all. Well, hopefully, most of the. Women who are in the bar of the conference <laughs> are connected to United Women of Faith, at least those in the U.S. But in a, what other ways are you making sure that as we uh, engage in holy conferencing in that space, that we're we've got our ear perked to the voice of women? Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, however you want to take that.
1: Okay, uh, we we make our we make our presence known <laughs> at General Conference. Uh, right, starting right off with um, wanting to bring the women who are going to be there together. And it's not just Central Conference, but that's that's who we invite first, and then any woman who's a delegate, um, right? It's a little overview of how General Conference works and um, and, and also some, some um, like, things that we try to communicate ahead of time, like, right? don't bring shampoo, don't bring tampons, don't don't bring some of these other things because we'll have them for you. You're coming to us. Some of those little things that can add up when you're trying to focus on like getting to a place and then being present while you're there to, to do your role as a delegate. Um, well, we got you on some of that. So so here's a bunch of things you don't need to worry about. Um, and then we just, we talk together and we have women. It's a, it's a space space. For them to share about their concerns and struggles and, and questions uh, and and with each other, so that's that's just one way. Of course, we have members who are delegates themselves. Um, we have, I mean, the fact that there are clergy women and women bishops at General Conference at all is part of the really hard work of of lay women within the within the church. Our deaconesses and home missionaries, they host a prayer room, so that's. There's a, there's a place for you to kind of get away from some of the chaos and just all the people at general conference and, and it's, it's volunteers and there's prayer activities or there's just a quiet space for you to go and pray or someone to pray with you. And deaconesses are something that we've given the church as the women's organization. Cause you know, for a while women weren't allowed to be ordained. And while being a deaconess is its own calling, it's a lay ministry, um, and home missioner is uh, w- when we were using gender terms deaconess is women uh, home missioner would be laymen um, right now it's you pick what pick what title you want Deaconess and home missioner, home missioner. Um, but it's a historic uh, now it's a lay order but it's how women could be in ministry and together as a sisterhood and get trained and I mean their theological training is very similar to what a pastor in the United Methodist Church, a, a clergy a clergy person, um, would be so they've I mean deaconesses have been around for almost as long as the women's organization and have been theologically trained but they're uh, ministries of love justice and service so it's really on the ground type work you got hotel or hotel <laughs> hospital chaplains I mean hey hotels could probably have chaplains too uh,
0: uh, uh, you might need them uh, <laughs> depending on how long it takes to get into your your hotel room <laughs>
1: they I just started a, a new uh, job field, a new field of ministry.
0: Come on, oh, we'll get it. We'll get it in there for 2024 for sure. <laughs> we've got
1: nurses, we've got artists and therapists and writers. So deaconesses and home missioners are really lay ministry, like on the ground ministry that we've that's been going on for mm. years and years and years and years, and has been a an avenue for ministry for those who have been restricted from becoming clergy in the United Methodist Church, and that's not just women. Um, we've never had any restrictions on who you love or how you identify if you want to, if you hear God's call to ministry, um, that's been a path. Deaconesses and home missioners, I uh, will gladly take any questions if anyone listening is more is curious about what that means, because that's just this really great, great group of people. Deaconesses and home missioners. Okay, now I'm coming back to the topic. So we have our prayer room <laughs> that's hosted by them. And then we also consecrate our deaconesses and home missionaries at general conference. It's usually one of the morning worships. We bring everyone into this wonderful ministry. And so it's, it's similar to an ordination. I don't want to, they, they're different paths. Um, I don't want to say this is just another way to you know be ordained, but, bishops are involved and you get your deaconess um, scarf and and it's beautiful ceremony and you're, and you're consecrated into your work. Um, And this is an office of United Women in Faith. We're tasked by the Book of Discipline to, to administer
0: the office of deaconess and home missioner. So I'm just listening to this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. home missioner. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Yep. UWFaith.org. Okay. Right, because in the in the United Methodist Church, if you show any sort of like passion or leadership potential of any kind, you kind of get funneled to a clergy path. Um,
0: Always, there's Always. there's
1: many more options, and mm. this, especially if you feel like like ministry, like working with people on the ground, like is is your calling. And um, hey, this is this is another option that not a lot of folks know about. More and more clearly, but but that's I served on the board of ordained ministry of the former Wyoming Conference, my little conference that's now part of Upper New York, in a merger. Speaking of mergers, but I I I didn't know about deaconesses and home missionaries. I feel like that could have been a path for some of the folks who were coming through our our ordination process, who who were there because they were called to ministry, but even admitted themselves like I don't know if this is the right path, but there wasn't, it didn't feel like we were equipped enough to offer um, other options for folks. And Deaconess Home Missionary is just one other really great way you can live out your calling. So there, there, their prayer room. And we have a great consecration. We have members who are delegates. We have members who are committee chairs. We have legislation. Always, always, always. At the last General Conference of 2016, um, 2019 was a was a special session in many ways. We had 17 pieces of legislation that passed at General Conference 2016. So a good chunk of the Book of Discipline is us. Uh, we've put we've put a lot of our um, the things that we feel God calling us to do in the world: climate justice, public education, um, immigration. Uh, voting rights, like the, that's how we feel called to you know, be Christ in the world. And we would like the United Methodist Church to be doing the same thing. So we're present in our legislation. We, um, well, we have the prayer shawls that we give to Central Conference folks, especially coming from the warmer countries. Uh, we tend to also, I know our plan for 2020 was we had hired a uh, Native American artist to make beads. Uh, they were pins, they were beautiful bead pins, and I'm hoping we can still do it for 2024. We commissioned um, indigenous artists to, to create the, the pins that everyone who was a delegate would get in their, um, their bag, their, their welcome bag. Uh, so that was another way for us to say, we're with you, we're praying for you. Um, our members are praying throughout General Conference. We also host an action while we're there, if we're going to have a whole bunch of United Methodists in one place, we're right. going to make a stink, right? We're yeah, gonna yeah.
0: We're going
1: to say something about what we think should happen in the world. And last General Conference, we focused on clean water um, and, and got some really great pictures. So this mm-hmm. is me speaking as a magazine editor, but a part of we have those water drops if you were at it. Like, so we came all together. And so we have this beautiful collection of people, you know, just cheering for clean water and praying together and and naming also the places in our, you know, our book of discipline and our book of resolutions that says this is what United Methodists should care about too. So we're there to remind people of our work together and let the community know that, you know, the, the United Methodist Church is here to partner with you in that work too. When we have our quadrennial, meeting called assembly. Um, it happens, you know, well, it's usually between <laughs> the general conference, right? So we we had ours in 2022, this past May in Florida. Um, we were in Orlando. And we usually take our thousands of members and, and partner with a local organization. Like, all right, we, we're going to be in your town. What do you want us to do? What do you want us to stand up for? Like, we're here. So we kind of try to do the same thing at general conference as well. We're we're in this space. What local cause can we bring up for you and use our time? And we and we try to encourage our members to um, they can be they can be present at their annual conferences the same way. I know a lot of you know presidents will have a couple minutes to speak about United Women in Faith or show a video or they'll have a table or we'll sponsor a meal and that's that's great. But there's also be a voting delegate host an action, um, make sure that your deaconesses and your home missioners and your annual conference, like have their commissioning service as part of annual conference. Cause that helps folks know more about that work too. And so we want to make sure we're in that decision-making space. I mean, we have women who are volunteers, who are pages, who are, they're always part of the welcoming committee and, and whatever conference is hosting general conference. So we're, we're in the decision making spaces in multiple ways and i would love even more of us to be there we have we have a unique perspective as as women in the church um where the majority of the membership but the the minority of the leadership and so that that needs to change the last general conference was only 36% women delegates um,
0: just to start off with is there a sense that does United Women in Faith feel like your presence at General Conference is justice work as much as it is work of being in the connection? Your your advocacy, your presence, your actions, uh, the touch points, having Mm -hmm. things for people to see, that's from United Women in Faith, the the prayer rooms, and even the 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 consecration of deaconesses and home mission, like it seems to me that, while, yes, these are programmatic items, they're also actions that remind us that we we not only need the women of our church to have their place, um, they deserve to have their place
1: mm-hmm. And some of the the resources I talked about earlier we publish. Uh, a mission study curriculum that we all you know learn learn about we contextualize this part of the Bible together or we learn about um, you know social justice issues together our program book is is a Bible study but also ties it to the social holiness aspect of doing work in your community so we're equipped we have across the country, the annual conferences host mission use where people come together and study to learn more about who our neighbor is, who who are our neighbors. So our women are doing this work together. They're reading response magazine. They're giving to these these great causes and then in turn learning from the folks that they're working with there. We have um, almost 90 what we call national mission institutions across the country these are community centers um, historically black colleges um, daycares so our members are working with community outreach programs there too like they they are faith leaders because of their participation in united women in faith so they 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 deserve it and in a way they've earned it right you don't need to earn your your space in decision making places but like they're equipped to to be faith leaders in ways that churches districts annual conferences and the general conference don't, don't recognize like the work they've put in to be disciples is really admirable and great. And they have a vision because of that time together. And because of that time, listening and reading and learning and, and acting that brings a really great perspective to what the church could be doing too. Um, and it's, 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 been hard when part of the battle is to give convince people that women need to be in these spaces. That's that's frustrating, right? And yeah, I mean, it doesn't so. just apply to women; it applies to all marginalized communities. Well, do you deserve to be in this space? Like, yes, because we're born loved by God. Exactly. So
0: we're yes. part of this thing. So, yep. so, so much. We could do this all day. Um, mm-hmm. we should do this all day. Um. What is there anything that you all are thinking about specifically as relates to 2024? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: We have um, four pieces of legislation this time. (laughs) And as someone who helps monitor uh, all of that, hey, four is way better
0: than which before you go there let's also <laughs> let's also just name again the need for this is a you know a, a intersection with a different part of our church but the need for monitoring right like the need mm-hmm. we need to be reminded when we all get so caught up in the the holy conference thing that we forget that Only this many women have spoken today. Only this many people of color have spoken. Only this many young people have spoken today. Like we, so I just want to name that. Like this is again part of our work is realizing that we may have to actively us men may have to act. We need to actively monitor and help be helped in that monitoring. Okay, four Mm -hmm. pieces of legislation. I literally just did the thing that I didn't want us to do. I'm so. No, I'm with you.
1: not it's not a check mark. it's not like our our work as the women's organization of the church isn't just to say like all oh, right we got we got new leaders eight yeah. eight women were elected bishop in over the you know the fall and the jurisdictional meetings our work is done no it's because the having women in those spaces is what will accomplish beloved community right and yeah. having more voices it's just a step toward our goals it's not the goal it's because their voices are important, not you know, just because their background is different from most of the people who get to speak. It's because their background is different. That's why our church will move forward Amen. if they're given the microphone more. So that's part of the work we do. We have goals, right? We want to see in the world, and it, and in order for those accomplishments to happen, women need to be in decision making spaces Uh, that's just like step one right but we still got to get to that point i can't wait for the day that like we are where we need to be and then the problem is okay we've got a lot of great ideas about solving this problem now we just need to pick the best one
0: exactly Um, so move it to legislation yeah oh right
1: so we just um i don't want to say just they're 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 good they're good pieces of legislation so we're we will, while, you know, we're making sure that we're on committees and voting and speaking at the microphone, we can and leading committees and doing different work. um, We learned, I mean, we knew this, but we learned last general conference 2016, especially how important it is to, you know, have good people, trained people being pages and and monitors because right in committee work, sometimes some legislation gets moved to another committee so that it can be seen like there. So there's physical movement of some things sometimes. And, um, three of our, the legislation, three pieces of our legislation that we're bringing to this next general conference is because they just didn't get, they just didn't get, get decided on a committee. They didn't get seen. Um, one is celebrating child Sabbath Sunday and the other is protecting the girl child. Um, right? And that's different, you know, it's uh, female genital mutilation, no child brides. They're, they're really great pieces of legislation that would very likely have passed if they just didn't get lost in the shuffle. So how can we not feel that like we, I mean, we did get deprioritized, like, oh, that's not, that's not important right now. Um, when they very likely would have passed and a new piece we're bringing is, um, on voting rights. And it was right, we planned it for 2020. That was the hundredth anniversary of uh, the 19th amendment. So women's right to vote and right, white white women. Um, and but also part of our legislation acknowledged that okay, we made this great stride and a lot of our members were really part of the suffragist suffrage, suffragette <laughs> movement, the voting rights. They were suffragists, but that became a very white women-oriented movement at the end of the day too. So part of, you know, naming, celebrating the accomplishments we have made, but saying we're not there yet. So we need to keep making sure that there isn't voter suppression across the board.
0: This has been so good, Tara. I I wanna, as we're closing our conversation, I wanna ask sort of what does United Women of Faith have on the horizon beyond Mm -hmm. Yeah, the work at general conference, like what, what, what are you all seeing? What are you all hoping for Mm -hmm. as we continue on as the United Methodist church um, and, and and the role of women uh, lay women specifically in, in our continued in our future?
1: Well, we are hoping to, that our doors have been opened, right. And we've reminded and delighted and, and let women know that, you know, we're, we're open for business. Come be a part of us. Let's make sure that we aim for gender equity, right? That's an overall. But we, but really, we want to end the school to prison pipeline. We want to have uh, just transitioned into sustainable energy. Like that's our ongoing work. But I really think acknowledging that, like what was, um, has to be, you know, let go of, so that we can make room for what will be and we're in that transition right now, right? Where some of the new things we're trying aren't going to work. Um some folks are going to leave us as well because because right, that that the new things we're doing might not align with what they want to do. We're doing our best to make sure that like the work, the goals we want to accomplish are the same and we just might have some different methods, different avenues for women to join us to join us in that. Um I think I think I think our future is going to be right, we're gonna do the hard work of this transition, but we're just gonna we're just gonna let women know we're here and we're gonna get in the fray. I think I think we just have this great opportunity right now to reach women who would have never been a part of us before for for many different reasons. Um and it means letting go it means letting go of 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 some ideas um even some of our you know our beloved members who who that's not our point our purpose to be like all right we're not doing that anymore you can't be a part of us no we want to find ways to continue for everyone to be a part of us but it's it's not a great use of energy to try to hold on to something that's not working anymore or right hold on to a sweater string while someone's running out the door. And then you you just end up with a pile of yarn when there's other folks who just, who, who need us and need the space, need the church. And it's, it's something to mourn. And it's, um, it's something to acknowledge as sad that things are going to change. But what I really don't want us to miss and what really feels like is happening with our organization is that, that, more women are going to want to be a part of us because we're willing to do some things differently and to really just get into the work and into the fray and into the conversations and 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 be part of the church and be part of our communities and not be a secret <laughs> we're not as we're not a secret part of the united methodist church we're very 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 much a part of the work of the united methodist church and the church universal um I think I had to go through my own journey through the name change and even the logo and, and all of that and just listening and, and also trusting the women who made these decisions and knowing why they made them and all the voices that were part of this conversation. Like it feels it feels good. It feels like the right thing to do. And I have no idea what the future is going to look like, but I think we're on the right path that this really could be something that's that's just a good holy movement for women to be nurtured And and for us to be able to work together to make the positive changes that we're looking for while also taking care of one another. Um, What women tend to do in the church is give, 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 give sacrifices our joy and without really considering ourselves whole people who also deserve to uh, be uh, spiritually nurtured. And so we're trying to do a better job of combining both of those things, that there's joy in the work, but there's also (laughs) You're allowed to have joy in the joy of being together, too. And I think we're on the right path. And, right, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, but we're going to be there to pick each other up, too, which I think is missing in the church sometimes. Mm. Um, If somebody falls, like, well, you shouldn't have been walking that way, right? Or Mm. that was the wrong path, or you had the wrong shoes on, metaphorically speaking, right? Yeah, Yeah, But I think if we can forgive each other and uh, let each other make mistakes, um, then it's just it's we're going to learn more about one another about the work we should be doing, and I, I think that's where United Women in Faith is really heading. I'm saying that both as a staff, but as a United Methodist mm. who like believes in this church, um, yeah. I want it to continue. I I think it has a work to do in making the world a place where everyone can thrive. So, and I think the women we're, were willing to take some risks and to take care of one another in, in a way that could really lead to some great things.
0: I'd love to hear as a last question from the laywoman from Upper New York, Tara. What is your hope for the United Methodist Church?
1: I think I said it in my answer to the last question, but I my hope is that that we get in it, we get in the fray, that we lead the world toward justice, and not not fall behind. Um, we we should be we should be seeing the changes that need to be made in the world because we've studied, because we've worshipped together, because we've listened to multiple voices. We do have a vision for the way the world could be right. That's on earth as it is in heaven. I, I want to see us. I don't want to say move past what, what we're going through now because like this has to happen. These conversations, these fights, like we need, we need to do what we're doing right now, even when it hurts. Um, but we can be there for one another through it. I want to see us like really, really come together and be like this church that we're proud of because we've done the work. To listen to God, to let the Holy Spirit spirit push us in ways that maybe we weren't even sure we were going to go. and um, that but but to let that happen. And I I love structure. <laughs> I love our connectionalism. I I even like some of the ways we make decisions now, right? I'm an institutionalist, I'll name it here at the Bar of the Conference podcast. But same,
0: same. Come at me if you need yep. to. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm just going to name it because I think our our church has a role to play. God is still here, but I also know that that needs to change. But if we can make those decisions together, we can still fight about it, right? But if we can, if we make those decisions together in a way that is holy and wholesome and acknowledging one another as beloved by God, then even if I don't necessarily agree I can align because I trust the people who are making those decisions or they have a perspective I don't have. So I can say, no, I trust you. That might not be the way I would do it, but I'm going to follow you because I know what we're, I know the work we're doing together. I just want us to, I just want our church to like really, really mean something because we we have so much potential for that to happen. We're together. We're connected. We're organized, right? Organized religion gets a bad rap for very good reasons, but we're organized just yeah. like the women's organization look what we can do together when when we can align even if we don't yeah. always agree when we can align because we have built relationships with each other because we love each other even when we don't like each other we the church can do that it can be that it can lead in all of the spaces in government in business in schools in local churches in you know the global church there's there's so many ways that we all together could make positive change in the world if if we can if we can find a way to holy conference and and make those decisions together. And I know that we can do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here.
0: Right. I wouldn't be in my right. job.
1: I wouldn't be United Methodist. I wouldn't be running my mouth in this podcast. Like it's ah!
0: Tara. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Thank you so so much for today. So good.
1: Thanks for having me, Derek.
0: Yeah. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley Survival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.